Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Welcome. If you just downloaded this uh, podcast, welcome to The War Is Over Part 2. I'm saying here this morning that the main problem is us. It's not the demonic. The main problem is us. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Not the, de- the, the devil is a factor, but, uh, but I'm the problem. If I'm unkind to my wife, it wasn't the devil, it was me, yes? If I steal something, it wasn't the devil, it was me. If I commit adultery, it, it's, it's not the devil, it's me. Sometimes you get churches where the pastor has uh, committed adultery. You know, one pastor came, committed adultery. Then another pastor committed adultery. So I said, oh, I think there's a spirit in here. There is no spirit there. There's no spirit there. But there is an out-of-control fleshly activity going on there. The main problem that you've got is not the devil. If only it were. If I remember somebody, someone came to see me. And they said, I want you to pray for me because I've got a demon. It's a demon that makes me drink all the time. I presume he meant beer rather than coffee. Because a few people have got the a coffee demon here, I know. I've got a spirit that makes me drink all the time. And my answer shocked the guy. I didn't mean to shock him, but I said, oh, I wish that were true. And he looks at me like, what are you talking about? I said, I wish that were true. Because if you had a spirit that made you drink all the time, we could pray, couldn't we? And you'd be set free in eight seconds and on your way. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we don't need deliverance. The Bible says we need crucifixion. I want to say that again. The Bible doesn't say we need deliverance. The Bible says we need crucifixion. It's easy to go and get prayer from Brother Dingling and have someone cast something out of you. But that's actually not the problem. The problem is that we need to crucify ourselves. Yes? Yes? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so my main problem is not the demonic. That may be a factor occasionally. But my main problem is me. It's me. And if you really want to take authority over someone, take authority over the person you look at in the mirror. Bind them if you want to bind, you know, somebody. Uh, We are to be slaves of Christ. The main tenant of Christianity is crucifixion. We must be crucified with Christ. Paul says, I die every day. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and to be somehow connected in the sharing of his sufferings. It's not deliverance that people need. It's crucifixion. And crucifixion is a lot more painful, takes a lot more effort, goes on all your life, etc., etc. All your life. This is what the Bible says. And it's not what popular paperbacks say, but this is what the Bible says. The war is over, but the real war is between you and your flesh. The book of James says, each man sins when by his own evil desires he is led away and enticed. The problem is what is inside of me, not what demons are floating around in the clouds near me. The main problem is what's inside me. 
Genesis chapter 3. And let's have a real good look at this. Let's take a moment in the midst of this teaching to talk about where the, where the enemy is at work. I've made it very clear. My view is he does not crash cars. He does not get inside tape recorders. He, he doesn't mess with your TV reception while you're trying to watch Rory and Wendy. That's not what he does. What does he do then? What is it that he does do? And I want to suggest to you that what he does do is that he speaks and has a voice. And this is what I want to uh, come to now. The seventh reason why we shouldn't be afraid of the devil is because his only power is lies and accusation. Now that doesn't mean that that isn't powerful. But it's only as powerful as you will permit it to be. He has a, the ability to speak. He can't break my arm. He can't break my car. But he can speak. Let's look at Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty or more cunning than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So first, let me just, I just want to be absolutely as, as comprehensive as I can be with this. There is one thing that you should be worried about when it comes to the devil. He is very, very intelligent. He is cunning. Or here in the NIV, crafty. The battles that we face with the enemy are battles of one intelligence versus another. And he is cleverer than me and you. He is crafty. It's very interesting. It's the first thing it says about him. It's the only compliment the Bible gives him. Can you, can you see that? The only compliment the Bible gives him is his ability to be cunning. And this is what he does. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of a garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And now begins verse 4. This is his power. You will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The, listen, listen. The strategy that the enemy employs here is the same strategy that he employs against you Whenever he comes to tempt you, it's exactly the same. And it's this. There will be no consequences for sin. That's, that's what he says. You will not die. You can do what you want. There will be no consequences. And I want to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, today, that is exactly what happens today. Exactly the same. When you are tempted into sin, the temptation is not, boy, this looks good, because you're already doing that bit. 
If sin wasn't pleasurable, we wouldn't have to fight it. If sin was not something that we liked, we wouldn't have to abstain from it. During the week that Jane is away, I will not be abstaining from Emmerdale Farm because I never watch it. I don't have to abstain from it. (laughs) I might have disdain for it, but I don't have to abstain from it. I have to abstain from Christmas cake because it does something funny to my sister. But I love Christmas cake, but I have to abstain from it. I want it, but I can't have it. We abstain when we want something that we know does us harm. I want to suggest to you that in 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 the dichotomy of temptation, if I broke it down, it's exactly the same thing. The devil does not put a desire in your heart. He knows it's there. What he does is he tells you, you can do it and it's not going to affect you. There won't be any consequences. Do you understand? That's what he does. Eat it. Eat it. Take from the tree. Eat it. You won't die. And he was lying because they did die. Spiritually, they did die. And I I suggest to you today, this is exactly what happens now. You're in a moment where you are tempted to sin. If the enemy has any part to play, and I'm not necessarily suggesting that he does. Most times it's just us. But if the enemy is active, if he is, in the maybe the rare occasions where he is active, it is to whisper into your heart, there'll be no consequences for this. It's okay. And let me tell you, he's a liar. Because there are. You can't sin and be happy. Can you say amen? It's true. You can't sin and be happy. You can be happy for that temporary moment. But long term, you can't be. And this is what the enemy does. And then look what he does later. When they eat from the tree, these kids go running hiding from God. And the Lord begins to come. And verse 10, the man says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And a really interesting verse in the Bible. Have you ever seen this? God says, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? And the inference, I think, is that the serpent told them they were naked. And so we see the, the change in the tactic. It's a, it's a 180 degree change. The first thing is, go on, do it. There will be no consequences. Oh, okay then, I will not die. So I commit the act against God. Now I've committed the act against God. Now the devil comes with a completely different message. Now there are terrifying consequences. Run for your life. You see that? A moment ago, everything's fine. Go ahead and do it. Break the commands of God. And now, once the act has taken place, oh no, you are doomed. You are damned. Run. Run from God. He's coming. You see that? It's a complete different. I suggest to you, this is exactly what he does all the time today. It's exactly the same. Sin, go on, sin, it'll be all right, it'll be all right, you get forgiven. And then as soon as you do it, 
condemnation. What are you doing in church? Who are you to take communion? Who are you to stand here singing these songs? If only all these people knew what you did on Thursday, they wouldn't be shaking hands with you today. And it's this two-pronged attack. It goes on all the time. But in both instances, he's a liar. It's a lie that there are no consequences for sin. But it is also a lie that when we've broken God's commands, we must flee from God. That is also a lie. And hide. Because he's coming and he's going to get you. Why shouldn't we be afraid? We shouldn't be afraid. Because all he is, is a voice. Called here in Revelation 12, the accuser of the brethren. The devil has the power to speak. God in his wisdom has allowed him that. He is loose. But not powerful except this. Let me say this. Uh, just listen carefully. I think that the charismatic church generally has got the thing the wrong way around. I think they believe that the devil is powerful, but we can bind him. I believe the Bible says that we cannot bind him, but he isn't powerful. I believe the Bible says he's very much loose. I believe the Bible says that he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I believe the Bible says he is not on a chain and he cannot be bound. He cannot be bound. But the reason why we don't need to bind him is because he's not a problem. He's not powerful, you see. He's not powerful. You say, well, no, no, but the Bible says whatever you bind on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be Loosed in heaven. That's nothing, no verses, nothing to do with the devil. They're to do with um, church um, governance. They go back to an old uh, rabbinic law where you could go to the rabbi and say, oh, what do you think of this? And the rabbi could give an opinion wherever there wasn't like a text of the, of the Torah, wherever there wasn't an exact text from the scripture for your scenario. You could go to the rabbi and say, what do you think, rabbi? And the rabbi could either bind you or loose you. And, and that's, that, that's where, those, where those phrases um, come from. If you don't believe me, have a look in Matthew 18 where they are used to throw someone out the church. And it says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It's exactly the same idea. So it's nothing to do with binding. For Some people have bound so many demons, they've worn their binder out. And I never really understood it anyway. How long is he bound for? Can you bind him for more than 15 minutes? How long is the binding uh, good for? No, no. We don't bind him. He's loose. He's loose. But you're the one with the Holy Spirit. You're the one with him underneath your feet. You're the one able to say, no, I'm going to choose to obey the word of God. I think that's exactly what happened in in the wilderness When Jesus was in the wilderness, tempted by the devil, it wasn't the devil who was bound, it was Jesus who was bound. Jesus was bound to the the law of God. The devil said, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn this stone into bread? And Jesus said, well, I can't do that. This is my paraphrase. I can't do that, you see, because the word of God says this. It's not the devil who needs binding, it's you. It's me, do you understand? If only we would be the bind you know, bound ones, would be absolutely fine. 
The devil comes and says, do you know what? Don't you think that woman looks amazing? Well, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't, but actually I'm bound in a marriage. It's not the devil who needs binding, it's us. Well, don't you think that you could just take a little bit of this stuff away from work with you today? They don't need, look, there's an old monitor there, no one will know. Oh, yeah, 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 it looks great, but actually I can't take this monitor home with me because I am bound to the word of God that says I should not steal. Today, I just want you to be totally set free. It's us who needs to be bound, not the devil. We're the problem. The war's over. The war's over. We are supposed to be slaves of Christ Jesus. Slaves of righteousness. It's me that needs the chains. The devil is free for the time being. For the time being. The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 20 that he will be bound for a thousand years. That's when he's bound. So he's a voice. He's a voice. He's an accuser. That's why you have to obey the word of God. That's why you need to know the word of God. One time I was casting out a devil. And the devil was inside of this woman. But the devil had a male voice. And the woman looked at me. And a male voice came out of her mouth. And the devil said this to me. If I come out of her, I will come into you. Did I flee for my life? Phone the latest um, intercessory group? No. I just said, you fool. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. There's no room for an evil spirit like you. You have to know the word of God. It is written. It is written. But the, the word of God is not to scare the devil. It's to bind you and to secure you into a covenant with God. I so wish you could get this today. It would change your life forever. Number eight. Very quickly, we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir, we do. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit has come to live on the inside of us. Why would we be in any way frightened of a fallen angel? When God himself, God himself lives in us. Not the archangel Michael. That would be good. That would be theologically weird. But it's God who lives in me. Why would I be afraid of a demon? Why would I be afraid of Satan? When God lives in me. And if you're afraid, it just must mean that you don't believe that God lives in you. But if you believe that he lives in you, you'll know Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Not because his theology was right. Not because he was uh, holy, although of course Jesus was completely holy. But because God was with him. The reason why we're not afraid of the devil is because God is with us. The devil used to be anointed. Ezekiel tells us that, but now he's the ex-anointed one. Now we're the current anointed ones. I've got a fire on my head. A flame from heaven has touched my life. It's touched your life too. That's why we have the anointing of the Spirit of God. Number nine, 
Our God is greater. Can you say amen? If God be for us, who could be against us? Well, you know, stuff really, really well. Your Father in heaven does not want you to have a Christianity that involves you sitting, worrying about what the devil is going to do. In fact, all he wants you to do, if anything, is worry about what he's going to do. It's much more frightening to think the plans that God's got for me than the plans the devil might have for me. Because God, God's plans are good. It will give me a hope and a future, but they're going to be challenging. Our God is greater. If God be for us, who can be against us? Just, it's a simple question today. Do you believe this? Do you believe the, the word of God? Or do you believe paperback Christian books and all sorts of ideas and funny stuff? And what your Aunt Dolly told you happened in 1972 in their house, number 10. Jesus Christ has shed his blood. Can you say amen? Come on, let's get Pentecostal a bit. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even to the death. That third part is, of course, as crucial as the first two. They submitted themselves to God, resisted the devil, and he fled from them. There's no power like the power of the blood of Jesus. He shed his blood, defeating them. Every mention of the blood of Jesus drives the devil crazy. Not because it's a magic word, not because it's an incantation, not because it's some weird stuff, but because it reminds him that he was utterly defeated 2,000 years ago. There is power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Number 11, God's angels are with us. You might remember that story of how Elisha's servant is getting a bit nervous. Might be a a Gehazi, we're not really sure. But let's assume it was Gehazi. And in the story, he's very nervous. Oh no, uh, are we going to be all right? And the prophet of God prays, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And suddenly, you remember the story, he sees all the angels around them on the hillside, is it? If only we could see like that. The idea of being afraid of the devil would seem rather ridiculous. One time I uh, was dealing with someone who had problems with the demonic. Apologies if you've heard this story before. But to the best of my knowledge, everything I'm going to tell you now is true. There's a woman and she would come and see me, had huge problems. Demonic problems, real demonic problems, not just charismatic games. Real demonic problems. One day she said to me, there's something really weird going on just a few streets away. She said, there's a house. Like a weird house. I said, what? What do you mean? Are we getting into Scooby-Doo here? A weird, ha- a weird house? She said, it's a house that is frightening. And I thought, oh, well, just let it go. And then she would mention it again and then again. Different appointments we had. She kept mentioning this strange house. So one day I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Because <laughs> you get curious, don't you? I said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Because I knew it was just a few streets away. After one of the appointments we've got together, 
we'll get in the house. We're, sorry, we won't get in the house. We'll, we will get in the car. And we'll drive around and you just point at the house that's frightening you. She said, okay, I will. She said, I need to tell you something else about the house. She said, I went over to it the other day. And as I went over to it, a hand seemed to touch me and stop me going near the door. I thought, oh, this is getting real Scooby-Doo now. What's this? I thought perhaps I should, you know, just have a quieter life than this. Is she crazy or, you know, what's all this about? So we jumped in the car. And we drove around just a few, just a couple of streets away. I knew we say blocks. It's American, isn't it? A couple of streets away. And as we drove by, she pointed at a big door of a house. She said, there, that house. And I went absolutely frozen and cold. It was my house. It was my house. Hey. A few days later, a devil spoke right out of her at me, cursing me. And I said to the devil, I said, have you been having a bit of trouble with the house? He said, yes. By the way, you didn't really have extended dialogue. I didn't want to get like Jeremy Paxman in for an interview with this demon. And I said, are there perhaps angels surrounding the house? And the demon said, yes, there are. Well, I had to ask one more question. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have really. But I thought, I just got to ask one more question. I said, how many? And the demon replied, no word of a lie. As I'm standing here, the demon said that. Because the demon could be a liar. But this is what the demon said. He said, two. And just as I thought, two, it's not very many, is it? He finished the sentence. Too many. Too many. I'm telling you, we don't know. The the book of Hebrews says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who minister to those who will inherit salvation? I've never seen an angel. I've seen their activity a few times. I've seen, shall I tell you another story? Have you got time? All right. One night we were running an alpha course. An alpha course is where everyone in the church pretends to be normal and has a dinner. And um, so we were having a dinner down underneath here. A lady showed up who was drunk and uh, really badly drunk. Wouldn't have got anything out of the alpha dinner. In fact, she was so drunk, I didn't want her to eat anything. You know, you know what I'm saying? Thought it might come out again. She's really drunk. So I tried to just say to her, look, I tell you what, I'll catch you in the week. And I was trying to, you know, this is not a very good evangelism, you know, strategy. People come and you go, you go away. But I didn't really want her to ruin the, the um, occasion. And I'd, I had seen her before and I would see her again. So I didn't have any qualm about not letting her in. So I went out and I'm in the yard just underneath you down here where many of you have driven in today. And I said, uh, now, can you, you know, I'll see you tomorrow and, uh, you know, just, I'll catch you. (laughs) And she fell unconscious on the yard. This is 2001 
2002, May, Sunday night. So I'm lying there. Sorry, she's lying there. I, I ain't lying nowhere. She's lying there. And I've got, we've spent a lot of money on this Alpha course. We've got people coming in, you know, thinking we're normal. And I've got a woman lying in the yard where the cars come in, like a suffragette or something. She's lying in the, uh, in the, in the yard and the cars are coming. I think, oh no, Lord, what am I going to do? So she's sort of lying. Uh, she's like an L. Her legs are like that. Her body's like that. And she's against the brick wall just here. And I've got cars. I think, oh, it's not going to look good. I didn't want someone to drive in and find me, you know, the minister grappling with a woman. They are driving and thinking there's a drunk in the yard. And then I show up, hello, good evening, everybody. I'm running Alpha. I thought, that's it, we'll never see him again. So I didn't want to touch her. It's probably a good idea anyway for a man and a woman not to touch like that. So I, I didn't want to grab her, but I had to do something. Now, what I'm going to tell you now, some will believe me, some won't believe me, but it happened. May 2002. I said, Lord, what I need, I need two angels to show up here and I need those angels to pick this woman up. Uh, And they did. I didn't see anyone, but she was unconscious like this. Suddenly, one arm went up like that. And the other arm went up like that, as though two men gathered around it. One lifted the other, one arm, the other, the other. And suddenly, she came up the wall. She had a big rucksack on. And the noise, this, this is what I remember the most. The noise of the rucksack going up. Probably with cans of Foster's in it, you know. But a rucksack going up the bricks. <laughs> and she stood there. And I'm just like looking at her. Whoa. And then cars are coming in. Hello. <laughs> Going to put a video on for you in a minute. First talk, Christianity, is it relevant? thought, certainly is. That happened just underneath you, just over there, a few years ago. Two men, was it? I don't know. But looked like two, seemed like two, just picked that woman up and laid her against the wall. And cars were driving in. She was just lying there. As though two men were just gently, had their hand on her shoulder like this, to stop her falling. That happened in Cambridge, England. I'm not afraid of the devil. Why are you afraid? Because these wonderful angels are with us. Praise God. The reality of it. Okay, that's just a little anecdote. It's a good one, isn't it? But may just that story be like what Elisha did. May it just open your eyes. Now, I tried all sorts of stuff after that. Went into an airport with a heavy bag. Can someone carry this for me, please? Didn't work. It didn't work. I'll keep trying. Praise God. But the, the Lord is with us. And that stuff like that, what I said, that's not going to happen every day. It's not supposed to happen every day. But I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is real. Spiritual forces are real. But it's nothing to be afraid of. We have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Number 11, the angels are with us. Number 12, you'll be pleased to hear, finally. Number 12, 
Our future is in heaven and his is in hell. You know the old phrase, whenever the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Jesus condemned him thousands of years ago. I want to encourage you with all my heart. I wonder if in your life, through things you've been taught, through denominational ideas, through books, and I wonder if you've missed the parade. I wonder if that Colossians 2 passage where those principalities and powers are stripped and made a public spectacle, I wonder if you came out and saw that and now you live in the victory of it. Or maybe you don't live in the victory. Maybe you didn't see that parade. Maybe you've been taught something else. That you should be afraid. That you should cover yourself in prayers of protection every time you go out the door. Listen, I'm worried about being hit by a car. That's a good reason to pray a prayer of protection. But it's not because I think Beelzebub's driving the car. I pray when my car goes in for an MOT. Boy, I fast when the car goes in for MOT. I pray blindness upon the inspector. We pray traveling mercies even on the group that are going now. But not because demonic forces will knock them around the motorway, but because someone might um, cut them up on the M6. Jesus has won. And because Jesus has won, we have won. He who has the Son has life. And we have life more abundantly. The forces of darkness have been defeated. They sure do control the lives of those who know not God. But they don't control you because once you were in darkness, but now you are in light. You've been delivered from the powers of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his, God's beloved son. This is Colossians chapter 1. So let me ask you here this morning as we draw this to a close. Do you need to live in the victory? Do you believe what God's word says? That nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you believe that's God's hope for you rather than a fact? I believe it to be a fact. Behold, he said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing, Luke 10, 17, 18, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Yeah, but my Aunt Dolly in 19... I'm not worried about your Aunt Dolly. Yeah, but I read a book that... I'm, I'm not talking about a book. I'm talking about what Jesus said. Let me finish with this story. There was an evangelist, a lady from my home church in Paynton. I'll say no more in case someone hears this online. But she used to go out into the streets preaching. One day she encountered a witch in the town centre, quite rare in Paynton, I would think. And from that day, she never went out preaching in the street again. And I went to a dinner party of some description where this was brought up. And it was the opinion of those hosting the party that, well, what do you expect when you meet a witch? You're most likely never going to be able to preach again. The soup came flying forth from my mouth at that moment. What? I say if a witch meets an evangelist on the streets of Paynton, I say the witch perhaps should stay at home from now on. Can you say amen? 
Who won the war? What's all this about? I want you to live free from the fear of the demonic. I want you to live in fear of what you're capable of. You're capable of backsliding. You're capable of rebelling against God. You're capable of hurting people. I'm capable of it. So let us fear the Lord. Let us have the beginning of wisdom in that. Because if you fear the Lord, you need never fear the devil again. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.